Hello and thanks for joining us on episode 26 of VIP Boxing's Bell to Bell podcast. You can watch us on VIP YouTube or search for us on Spotify or iTunes and have a listen. Um, if you can leave a comment, particularly on iTunes, that would be fantastic. I'm Steve Lillis and my co-host, um, as always, is with me, John Evans. Are you okay, John? I'm good, Steve. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Impressed by your haircut. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very special guest this week, a big-name boxer who faces, and I'm sure he'll admit it himself, a massive task on Friday, April the 30th, live on BT Sport, when he challenges the incredible IBF world flyweight champion, Maruti Thelaney. It's the one and only Sonny Edwards. Uh, how are you, Sonny? Yeah, we're all good, all good. I mean... Camp's nearly nearly over now, so yeah, I'll be better on the thirtieth of April, that's for sure. Um, you always said you wanted the best. You've always asked for this fella who's the number one with a ring, and he's been a champion since you were a little boy. He's he's been around, you know, and he's in showing no signs of declining, you know. And you've got him, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, you got to back up what you say eventually. So I've always said I wanted the best, and and now now I've literally, well, if you ask the Ring magazine, I've got the best. So. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I know it's a monumental challenge compared to the level that I've been supposedly facing. So I know what I'm in against, but I also know that I've been in against world-class amateurs. I've been in against world-class fighters sparring. I'm now I'm going to jump in against world-class as, as a fight. I mean, obviously sparring and, and fighting is different, but what, you know, when you get when you hold your own in all them different sort of them different arenas, then when you come to the big stage, you should be able to do it as well. That that's my belief anyway. Sonny, I, I believe you spent some time in the gym with, with this guy before. Just uh, tell people about that and what your impressions were of him. Yeah, well, really, really nice, humble person, really funny. We got on really well, actually. Um, we didn't do any rounds together, but we was both sparring the WBA champion, Dalekayan. And, um, yeah, I mean, we was, held, we, was, we was doing each other's corners at one point, giving each other water and whatnot, so... When I come out the ring the first time he see me spar, he said to me, you're 100% be a world champion. And that's on my two babies' life. So it's it's kind of goosebumps movie stuff for me. I mean, it will be one of those that if 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 I do come through it, when I do come through it, it'll be like the stars of a land. Because who would have thought that two, three years ago when we had that conversation, it would be him that's that I'm up against to, to be the world champion that he said I would be. Sonny, do you think you've caught him up quicker than maybe he ever expected? Do you think he, he probably didn't even consider you as a future rival? Do you think you might have surprised him by getting here as quickly as you have? Um, I don't know. Um, he rated me very highly. The people I was sparring rated me very highly since they asked me over another two times after that. I did go one of the times, but I couldn't. Uh, it would, what would have been the third time I couldn't go over. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know. As, as the flyweights, if you've got a good bit of promotional backing, you can cut through quite quick. I mean, my brother showed that. Um, just one of those things. Um, maybe he didn't think I'd ever be, you know, his competitor. Maybe he thought he might have been out of the sport by then. I don't know. Um, but like I said, that's high praise. I mean, he saw me spar I think, three or four rounds that first time. And that was his feedback. So he must have been impressed as what he was seeing. Um he probably sees things in me that he can beat. No, I mean, he only ever saw me do three, four or five rounds, I think, once. So his probably questions of me will be what everyone else questions. You know, what's my engine like? What? How can I do it for 12 rounds? Can I keep the focus? Can I come through a hard round? Can I, you know, get caught and come back? Um, questions I think I've answered myself time and time again. But until you're in against a legit world-level puncher, then it's all smoke and mirrors before that point. And I think 
if I come through this passing, this test passing with flying colours, I don't think there's too much people can say to me then. Yeah, there'll be someone who'll find something to say something to you, Sonny, oh, on social media. You could go knock him out in the first round or win every every second of every minute and you'll wake up Sunday morning, mate. You'll have a world title belt round with your two babies kissing you, but you'll also be going through your Twitter getting plenty of it. <laughs> all I've ever heard is, all I've ever heard is, our oh, Sonny can't punch hard enough for world level. He won't keep him off and they won't respect him. I mean, every other level I've ever been in against, I mean... People don't just walk through me because it's all right walking through someone, but when they're not there to walk through, you're just chasing them. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm not meeting you. I'm not going to try and stop the immovable object. I'm going to try and dance around him. Right. Thanks for that insight into uh, the fight and uh, John for digging up that nugget about you spending time with him. It's fantastic. Um, <clears throat> how this works, six topics, three minutes each round, three minutes each round. And if you're still talking after the 180 seconds, what happens, skinhead John? Yeah, we need this today with Sonny, I think. Sonny. Yeah, you might need it. And I'll still probably keep going over it. This will be the might easiest. Have taken up. <laughs> 26 shows. This will be our easiest, John. You'll have your yeah. voice afterwards, everything. I promise you. Round yeah. one over to you, John. Missing in action. Yeah, when uh, all this lockdown started and the pandemic, we were worried that we might lose um, generations of young boxers, be it amateur or be it young pros, because there wasn't opportunities. But I was just looking through BoxRec um, over weekend and the biggest names in the sports all the schedules are blank I know some some people are in negotiations like Usyk and Fury but Lomachenko Wilder Inoue Spence Crawford they've got nothing on the books Tiafimo Lopez has got his mandatory coming up um, I, I, I just wonder if we're going to see a full generation of elite fighters primes maybe pass them by I know some guys have earn enough money in their careers where they can afford to maybe just fight once every 18 months and then bide the time and see what happens with the crowds. But I just think the sport could really do with these elite guys, really getting back out there on the screen, show people what they can do. Not every fight has to be a super fight. If you look back through history, um, people like Duran, Chavez, they used to fight non-title fights, 10-rounders, 8-rounders. Let's just get these guys out, you know, stay active, stay on weight, stay relevant. And then when the crowds are back, it's an easier sell. I, I just hope we don't miss the primes of some real top guys. I mean, what the problem is, though, when you get to a certain level and you're used to earning a certain amount of money, you're used to the ticket gate. You're used to 10, 20,000, some of these people, 70, 80,000 people paying tickets there. And once you've fought, I don't know, um, a this level fighter for a this level purse, it's then hard to take a pay cut to fight in the fights that people are asking you to fight in. So a lot of these big fighters would just rather, all right, I'll stay benched, I'll stay fit, I'll stay sharp, I'll stay ready in the gym because they're training full-time. And when the, the, the crowds do come back and they can make that fight, there'll be even more of a demand for them. They'll probably end up getting more money because they've been out of the ring because the demand for that fighter, people want to see him in. I mean, I've been still disappointed that Anoue and Casemiro never happened. I mean, I'm seeing that. Casemiro rush for Gondo is getting whispered about happening. I'd be all over that fight. Um, but it's, it's just hard for boxers because when you see it to a point that we risk our life through every single camp, for every single fight, once you sort of get to your benchmark of what you deserve to be paid or what you're getting paid, it's then hard to take that drastic pay cut just to sort of make it nice for the fans. I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to swallow, but at the same time, it's people's livelihoods and livestock. And if you lose at this level when you're taking a pay cut, What's it then going to do in front of that? Do you know what I mean? 
two brilliant examples I think you missed out, John, who, what, what Sonny said, Keith Thurman and Manny Pacquiao, been earning absolutely incredible money. They haven't fought since they boxed each other in July 2019. And the money Thurman was about when the PBC were throwing money around for fun. And Manny's been a monster earner for the last, you know, 10, 15 years. Yeah, it, well, it raises your estimates, doesn't it? I mean, if we look at when Adrian Broner released the the offer that he got from the zone, and then all of a sudden every oh, other it. fighter. In... <laughs> Over to you, Sonny. Round two about the extra minute for women's boxing. Wait, so what was the question? And what did I say again? You said oh, a, a, one of your ideas was giving whether they should have an extra minute in women's boxing. Oh, just because it's a question that gets asked a hell of a lot. I mean, why aren't these women boxing? Uh, 10 frees or 12 frees for example and then a lot of people also are thinking well these are elite athletes at this stage um what is the massive difference where we're fighting for the equal pay we're fighting for the equal rights and these women i know are serious competitors i've sparred countless top level elite amateur women and they've always been three minute rounds i've sparred them i've never sparred them two minute rounds you know what i mean i'm talking sandy ryan lisa whiteside nicola adams like the gb setup and I feel like most of these girls, given the opportunity, would take the lunge to three minutes because it makes it that bit more professional. There's a lot of styles where that would suit. Don't get me wrong, there is some girls that are probably happy just spending 20 minutes in the ring. But there's probably a large portion of them, the elite, the top skim, that are going to be wanting the, the, the extra 16 minutes or whatever it would be. Um, and I think we should give it to them to a certain degree because I think isn't there some some governing bodies that are allowing three minutes i'm not too sure how it works but i think i've seen some female three round fights i'm not too sure I'd, i might be making that up but i mean i feel like a lot of them were jumping and then people would start taking their divisions a lot more seriously as well because when there's the sort of the old guard uh, you know the stereotypical i don't like women boxing fan which there still is let's be real they'll look at that well they're only doing 10 two minute rounds and it's putting sort of like a you know, a bad look on it straight away. I mean, I don't know the reason as to why they're not, and I don't think no one else does, to be honest. I think it, it started off, they used to class it as medical reasons, but I, yeah. we know that's rubbish, don't we? Um, I know some people say two minutes is better at the minute because you get more action crammed in, but I, I'm the same. I, I think women's boxing needs, if it's going to go to the next level, we get exciting fights, but you can be pretty much guaranteed you're going to get 10 rounds I, I think if we got a woman who was stop blowing people away and stopping people, I just think it takes it to the next level. Um, three minutes, I think, would make that more likely. And if you look back at this last weekend with Shannon Courtney and Ebony Bridges, maybe that fight might have had a different result. Yeah. You know, Bridges was a tank. Definitely, definitely. So maybe you may get more like realistic results. I, I don't know, Steve. Yeah, um, I was going to say, one of the points was Courtney versus Bridges. Um, we certainly would have got a different result. You know, I'm, I'm convinced that they fought three minutes, but you can't expect girls like Savannah Marshall and um, to go into some of these fights. She, she had, you know, she's talking to the big unification against um, the American freeway, well, Clarissa Shields. You can, that's got to be three minutes because they're out on their own. But going back to what you said, the WBC, when it was first brought up with them, they said it's science, not sexism. What? Dave. Right. Round three, Liam Williams. Um, I want to look at Willie, Liam Williams against Demetrius Andrade. Challenges him for the WBO middleweight title in Miami, I think, on Saturday night. I just think he's moving. I don't know if you see him around Sheffield at all, Sonny. I just think he's a different animal since he's gone to the 
the the the Ingle gym, but this is still a hard, hard fight for him. And I think there's too many people writing off Andrade in this fight. You know, he's a real skillful operator. He's beaten all 29. You know, and I think Liam would have beaten all 29 opponents that Andrade's beaten. Suleki would have been a fun, and Martin Rosjanoni loses to very good fighters. I just think I still think this is a really big ask for Liam Williams. And if he pulls off what would be an incredible win, I don't think he'll get any of the credit that he'll deserve for it. Um, the one thing Andrade might, he's already spoken of going to super middleweight. Is he overlooking him? I just wonder what you thought, first of all, Sonny, on the fight. You know, I think it's going to be a great fight and it should be all action in the sense of that's what uh, Williams will be trying to push for, whether Dimitri Andrade lets him. But I think that's the big question, what you said was, we haven't really got enough measuring sticks really to know where this is going to fall for me personally anyway. I mean, yes, Liam Williams is massively improved, but until he gets back up to the level that we've seen fall short at, which was Liam Smith, who was obviously a world champion, arguably not the most you know ferocious, world-beaten world champion, but a good, strong, tough world champion nonetheless. He did get beat by him. And since then, he's fought people that I think, you know, he kind of should be beaten. Let's be real. I mean, Mark Heffron was probably quite arguably, but then really when you dissect Heffron's career, he hadn't really done anything at British level around that. That was his ballpark where Andre is kind of the same. He's managed to get himself into a very good position in, in World Rock and a World Champion WBO, but he hasn't really fought the, the names that would really warrant being considered an elite world-class fighter. So, it's one of those kind of crossroads where we'll, a lot of questions for both fighters are going to be answered. I was always edging towards Williams, but I don't know. There's just something in the last minute that's... Andre is a very good boxer. And a lot of the time when boxer meets fighter who just has one sort of way to win, the boxer can find seven, eight, nine, ten different ways to win. You know what I mean? They can constantly chopping and changing. And Andre does seem that good to be able to do it. If he is overlooking him, though, that'll be at his peril because Williams is a—he's <laughs> one of those angry bastards that is just going to come and come and come and 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 you cannot slow down. You can't take your eye off the ball because he will try and take your head off at the first minute or the thirty-sixth minute. It really doesn't make a difference to him. Honestly, perfect timing. You're a professional. Like uh, a. <laughs> That's I know. Three-minute rounds. That's <laughs> I know. Ben, yeah, you get time when you're red. Uh, Connor Ben this weekend, you know, great win. Um, and there was a lot of talk afterwards for calling out Sean Porter, ridiculous really, and Amir Khan. Um, make no mistake about it, though, Ben's right in the middle of this British welterweight mix. And I think it's a, a fantastic division, this. Um, something for everybody. You've got Ben, who's ferocious puncher. You've got uh, McKinson, who he's going to have to earn his stripes, isn't he? You know, the way he boxes, but he's going to be very difficult to beat. Um, Congo, you've got... Crocker, a massive puncher. You've got Liam Taylor, who I believe has been guided to European title. Whichever one of these two you put together, you're going to get a good fight. And I just wondered, we see British fighters getting to world level and we say, oh, they've, they've played the rankings game, they've not been tested, they're not ready for this level. I just wonder if, if somebody can come through this mix, prove themselves to be the best welterweight in Britain by maybe beating a couple of these guys, they're going to get onto that next level really battle-hardened and ready for the next test. I just hope we, we see the matches. I, I really do think all the fighters can benefit from this. If someone can beat, if McKinson can beat um, a Congo, a Taylor and a Crocker, he's ready. You know, he's ready to go. There's no one to really fear. 
I think it could benefit everyone if, if we get a good mix here. I think the problem is a lot of people aren't really willing to. I mean, once you've got the promotional backing, a lot of people just turn down every decent opponent until they get one that's 90-10 in their favour. I'm inside the sport. I know the whispers of the, the room. I'm not speaking about anyone directing the names you just mentioned there. Um, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, he's just screen froze. But, um, but for me, once they have the backing, they start looking down on all these fighters going, well, what do they offer me? But what John said is right. They offer you the, the gut checks that you need. If you're good enough to fight at world level, you'll be beating them. Them, them level of fighters but a lot of the fighters they're not really willing to find out and then what happens is they get sort of overhyped overbuilt up there's a massive hype train and then like you said ridiculous really I believe so I'm a massive fan of Sean Porter and he's someone that has had personal time for me and his dad I've spent time in their company you know what I mean so for me that was ridiculous that that shout I mean you can't beat all these sort of hand-picked international fighters and then start calling out an elite Harden, battle hardened, who Spence went split decision with. Keith Furman eked past 115, 113, three times, I think it was. Kel Brook, I still believe that Sean Potter won that fight to, to, in my eyes. I know it's all them years later and it's not worth arguing about now. But no one has it easy against him. But you see Ben blow out Vargas in one minute and 22 seconds. And all of a sudden, it's he beat Sean Potter easy. And it's like, wow, I, I can't. British fans and British boxing and the promotion and, and the way they push their fighters, they have a good little bit of hype for a knockout and they lose all perspective. Fantastic, that's Sonny. Sonny, your second topic is on YouTubes and legends. Uh, um, are they good for boxing? Do you know what? I know a lot of people in boxing, they get angry by it. They look at the inflated purses that they get and they don't understand why they're not getting them. But what I do think it's doing is it's creating and generating an overall buzz where everyone wants to be a boxer all of a sudden. Look, you had uh, Jake Paul knocking out a NBA like all-star. Do you know what I mean? It's like them things, they might not be the highest quality. They might not be for the purest. But what they're doing is attracting a very much larger audience. That when you do have a couple of fighters on the card or or just even little spin-offs. Um, when, when look, Jake Paul starts getting called out, etc., etc., people... It attracts eyes and it attracts attention. And any fan that we can have that stops watching football as much or, or rugby as much or golf or American football or any sport and starts dedicating more time, more investment to boxing, the better. And I genuinely believe that in a roundabout way, all these YouTubers and, and legend fights is really doing that. I mean, I tuned in and watched Mike Tyson and, 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 and Roy Jones and I enjoyed it as well. That was great. Can, can you imagine the numbers... Uh, Joshua Fury is going to be biggest event of the year, isn't it? Can you imagine the numbers that would do if we put Tyson Holyfield three on the undercard? <laughs> It'd just go ridiculous, wouldn't it? Absolutely insane. And that's the effect that these guys have. You know, the name value they built up over 20, 30 years. Tyson's still one of the most famous people on the planet. And I, I agree, as long as these guys are, are matched equally, I, I don't... I don't really see a problem with it as long as they pass all the medicals and everything. We said it a few weeks ago, Sonny, that the problem's going to come is when one of these YouTubers calls out a professional and instead of a YouTuber making their name off a professional boxer, the boxer decides to make his name off a YouTuber and really cleans him out and does some damage. That's when it might all start going yeah. a little bit wrong. Yeah, but, but that's when we get some perspective. I, I think we're okay. I, I that's worry. when we get some Sorry, go on, Steve. Go on, mate. You're the guest. There are other people no, rather think, listen to you than me. That's when we get some perspective. And that, that, yeah. that'll be the most beautiful thing. I mean, I wouldn't like to see anyone get hurt. 
But when it all ends, though, then, Sonny, would it all come to a screeching halt? There would be no more because we saw what can happen. Yeah, of course. But, I mean, as long as it's they go through the levels to get there. I mean, if Jake Paul started building up a little ranking and had a few fights, and I, w- I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be against it. You know what I mean? But if he went from fighting, I don't know who they're fighting. I don't keep up. But if he went from fighting KSI to fighting Canelo, okay, then we have got a big problem. But I just don't think that would ever happen. You know what I mean? It just... That jump's never going to happen. But you might see them start fighting a few journeymen and they might see them fight a club fighter because they're still every time they get in the ring, they're going to still generate millions because people don't care who they're fighting as much. Once they're actually building a professional record, they'll be on, they'll be on, on the go. I've got no problem with the YouTube. But... All right, I'm stopped. So I'll have to come back to that. I wanna, I'm want i going to come back to that next week. Um, just um, I wonder if you guys saw um, the BT documentary on Frank Warren last night. Um couple points it made me realize how mainstream boxing was back then now there's you know how many boxers were actual mainstream i can remember well the chaos at heathrow when frank met joe bugner at the airport when he was coming back just to beat the you know for his comeback fight against the welsh heavyweight uh winston allen and you know what frank did then there but it was just incredible when it well the way he broke down the the cartel with the help of guys like you know nick pitt who was the investigative reporter it wasn't help nick was there to get a story cuz he's a he's a journalist and you know i can remember frank paying 40 grand to charlie magri in 1985 to fight sochitalada for the wbc title and uh, you know the the, the night Frank got shot. Uh, it was a Thursday, 1989. Everyone of a certain age in, into boxing around that time knew where they were when Frank Warren got shot. I mean, I was at the Elephant and Castle Leisure Centre watching Derek Angle in a Commonwealth title fight. You know, it, and I just watched a whole documentary and I just thought the, the life he's lived in boxing as well has just been sensational. And, you know, he must be near, you know, near, he's pushing 70 now. And I just still don't know where he finds that enthusiasm for fighters and the industry still, having been around that long. But how mainstream were those guys in the 80s? It was it was an incredible 90-minute documentary. And it, you know, you know, you might have learned, known a lot of it. It still brought a lot of thought flooding back. To be fair, I didn't watch it. I haven't watched it yet. I do need to catch up on it. So you might be better off taking this one, John, because I've not watched it. Uh, it's the same. It's on my BT planner, but God, Frank, as long as I've been watching boxing, Frank Warren's been there in the ring with the, uh, with the flags introducing world title fights and talking at press conferences. It's um, what a career. And like Steve just said, going back from flyweight titles with Charlie Magri, God knows how many years ago, right up to being involved in the biggest fight in world boxing in 2020 with Fury and Joshua. Uh, been there and done it all. Bought the biggest names in the sports of Britain. Sold out stadiums. And um, yeah, I'm sure the box. I'm sure the documentary didn't even tell the half of it either. Steve. No. Hey, and f- forty grand for uh, paying, you know, to like, break that cartel. And you know, Terry Lawless having to sit there and negotiate with Frank in 1985. And it must have been through gritted teeth because he could give Charlie Magri forty thousand pound. To fight Chotsilla, forty thousand pound for a flyweight in nineteen eighty five. What's that worth now? Is it one hundred and fifty, two hundred grand now? I mean, I mean, how, how do you find when you have your meetings with Frank Sonny? How, how do you two get on it? Are you up and down? Do you clash? Do you get on? I can imagine because you, you're no, not a boxer who's gonna just sit there and if you don't like something, you're gonna say because it's your personality and what you believe in yeah. doing. I'm probably one of the most stubborn fighters you've probably worked with in all them years. 
and that's that's saying something. You know what I mean? Um, I'm very stubborn, but at the same time, I'm realistic. I know my worth, and I get my worth. I mean, this is my third, my third contract now. I've signed with Frank, so we've got a good professional working agreement. I mean, the last one he did, uh, you know, we had to go back and forth a little bit more than than perhaps either one of us would have liked. But that's the business. Do you know what I mean? I mean. <laughs> Once you get start getting up to them bits where people are really taking notice, your name gets on a, a, promote, a, a poster and people are excited. You've got to know your worth. And at the same time, I understand that it's a business. I understand that it's not personal. I mean, everyone's got to make money. And it, and with me, I like keeping a professional uh, relationship. I mean, Uncle Frank can't really call me up and ask me how my Saturday and Sunday is gone. And I, and I wouldn't want it that way because, you know, once you get too friendly with people, it gets a bit too easy for for little corners to get squeezed. So, you know, we've got a very good relationship work, uh, working relationship with Frank and I respect him a lot and he's supported me, he's invested in me and and he's promoted me great. I mean, who else is getting the sort of platform at my weights and at my level of fights? That, that, that I have very, very few people. I mean, I think I've had eight or nine TV title fights and I'm only 15 fights in my career. I'm headlining my second, no, my third show um, for a flyweight, super flyweight. I mean, who does that? I do that, do you know what I mean? John, right. uh, as you go, how are you with Frank? Do you do a lot with him, John? Yeah, I speak to Frank before all the BT shows, and I've like, like I always say, I take as I find, and straight from the Box Nation days and seeing Frank at shows and calling him up every couple of weeks, I've never had a problem. He's always always got a story to tell, always got something to ask you, and uh, I don't want to turn it into a Frank. I think, yeah, people, I think, like, again, perspective is my word of the week. I mean, that BT documentary that I have not watched yet, but I'm looking forward to watching, um, it's re-highlighted to a lot of the new fans that are very much, oh, sign with Matchroom, sign with Matchroom, sign, do you know what I mean? That's all I get on my Twitter every week, do you know what I mean? But I think it shed a bit more light of, you know, Frank's the GOAT and he's a Hall of Famer for a reason. Do you know what I mean? He's he's not just one of these flash in the pan promoters that have had a little thing. Yeah, there's been times when his stable's not been as strong as there's been other times, but he's been up and down a hundred times and he probably will again. Do you know what I mean? He's just one of those, he's just one of those. He knows an eye for talent. He knows how to promote and build a fighter. Um, and with me, I think it's been easy because any fights they've offered me, I've taken. I'm not in the business of turning down fights. That's probably why he likes working with me so much. It's an easy phone call to have. Once you've agreed what money I'm getting at the beginning of the contract, you call, give me the opponent you want me to face, and I'll fight them. I'm not, I'm not fast. I'm not one of these. Actually, I could fight an easier fight than left or right. I believe in myself, hence why I've had the hard step-ups when I have. And the times I haven't had the hard step-ups, as hard as they should be, wasn't my doing. It really wasn't. It's just a lack of will and opposition, especially from this country. It's been nigh on impossible. Yeah, just one of question before, before we let you go, Sonny, because you, you know you've been, you've been you're giving us a lot of afforded us a lot of time tonight. Do you think you know this fight? Do you look forward to this fight? I mean, look, you got you're a a, a massive a massive name, should we say, on social media? Do you, are you looking forward to this fight after this fight being you know taking you to the next level into the mainstream where the non-boxing fan knows who this kid is from Croydon who lives in Sheffield, who's got a great backstory and everything. Do you, you, you think that can happen after this fight? Um, if I'm honest, I've only ever wanted to be a boxer. I wanted to be known as a boxer. I wanted to have the legacy of a boxer and someone that would just fight anyone. And I think this has definitely proved it. Win, lose or draw, I've proved that I will fight anyone. Um, 
But that's what I, I want a long career of, all right, Sonny fought pretty much anyone and everyone he could get his hands on. He weren't ducking fights. Anytime the phone rang, he fought. I've never wanted to be famous, Steve. I've never wanted to walk down the street and get 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 collared and people ask for pictures. That that stuff, when it does happen in, in my day-to-day now, makes me feel awkward. If I'm on a night out or down down a bar or a restaurant with a few friends and people come over and ask for a picture, which does happen every now and then, it makes me feel a bit uncomfortable, if, if all the truth be told. I don't like standing right. around and speaking boxing to every Tom, Dick and Harry that walks past. Not my ignorance or my arrogance. I'm just a normal person that gets punched in the face for a living and a few people. What Sometimes it's... It's not anything I've ever wanted. I've not wanted to get pictures taken out of me whilst I'm walking down the high street because I'm a, 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 a whatever list celebrity. I've never wanted reality TV shows or it's not that's that that sort of thing is not in my mind. Don't get me wrong. The more people that know you, the more exposure you have, the more you get paid. It's simple maths in this game. It really is. So for that side of things, I just want to keep building up. And the more people that know me as a boxer. The more people know me as a boxer, I do have that whole social media side of things. But if anything, that's really kind of me just venting out my personality in 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 safe environments. You know what I mean? It's I have a laugh. A lot of the things I'm saying on there, I'm laughing while saying it. When people are saying some horrible things to me, I'm laughing, not taking it seriously because I know that it's like an idiot playground for idiots to have a conversation on. And I'm an idiot. You know what I mean? It's, let's be real. My my dad used to call Twitter twit twat. It was for twats, you know what I mean? It, it, and 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 I have so much just sort of back and forth. I mean, I come from a a, a school of very very smart and quick witted kids that the cusses that they would get you with would really cut deep because they were very clever. Do you know what I mean? It weren't just like oh your mum. Do you know what I mean? It was like proper getting you. Do you know what I mean? So I've always had to have that 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 strong exterior when it comes to that stuff. And like I said, one I interviewed the other day. If you jumped in a PlayStation party chat with me, Lyndon, Zelfa, and all Levi, and you'd think we hated each other, the things we say to each other. Do you know what I mean? So, <laughs> you know what it's like when you're having a laugh. You take it way too far to the extreme, and that's how things get funny. So, I don't really take any of that side of things, but I don't want to be famous. I don't want to be known as Sonny Edwards, the celebrity, or, or see me down at, at red carpets and that. It's, it's, it's just not something I've ever aimed for. I mean, Whatever comes with boxing comes with boxing. That's by the by. But I'll never be going out my way to try and push this sort of general public know me. They'll know me through boxing. If they don't, then it is is what it is. Do you know what I mean? Have you got another question for Sonny before he goes, John? Are you okay? No, no. I'll tell you what, Sonny. Yeah, just a little one because I know Zelfa and Lyndon up here in, in Manchester pretty well. Known them a long time now. Yeah, you have. How good is it for, for you all to have come up together? You know, this little groupie of Lyndon suddenly top five in the world, Zelfa, Sky Sports, you getting your world title fight, and you've all done it the hard way, haven't you? You know, it's, how good is it for you to all come up together? Yeah, me, me and Lyndon was having a conversation about this the other day. I mean, not too long ago, like, I think I was seven and eight and I win before I got my Farag, which kind of broke me out a little bit. Do you know what I mean? But then he had to wait for the yard before he got any sort of recognition, really. Um, and we have done it in a hard way. I didn't have no debut on BT or Sky Sports. When I first signed to Frank, I was boxing at half 12 at night on the Javonta Davies bill when no one was in the bit arena, um, apart from people that kind of shuffled down to watch my fight. Um, at five or six o'clock in Belfast. And in between them fights, I was fighting on small rules, leisure centres. Um, you know, and, and, and I never complained. 
I had the GB background. I had the brother that was boxing on Sky Sports and a Fox fight for world titles. And I just piled my own way out and knew that eventually I'd get to, to where I wanted to go. I wasn't in no massive rush to be seen as a celebrity. That, and that's probably why that sort of mindset of me never really wanted to be famous. It didn't, I didn't care that my third fight was in uh, a small hall promoter, a small hall show against someone, um, Craig Derbyshire in Tolworth Ledger Centre. I, I didn't care because I weren't, I didn't sign thinking I need to be on the TVs. And, need to, and because of that mentality, I've got all the opportunities I've got. And then when I got onto the stage, I was a bit more ready. When I got onto the TV fights, I'd done my little groundwork and, and come through. So now when I'm sort of in the big stage, I'm feeling like, yes, I've earned my place here. And now Lyndon's the same. He feels like he's earned his place here. And then Zelfa come from all the small hall shows and did it and then got to the, the TV platform. Admittedly, he's probably been on them TV bills a little bit longer than us. But when people sort of don't have them high expectations of yourself and they're constantly putting you in a box, well, if you was any good, we would have seen you on Sky or we would have seen you on BET or, already. Do you know when you sort of creep in and then it comes to our first fights on the platform, the title fights, oh, you're actually quite good, you, and then you just keep going and going and going. It's, it's, it's quite, you know, you see a lot of fighters, they jump in straight away, big cameras, big action, and they end up getting turned over by a four-rounder, six-rounder. You know I mean, it does happen. It happens time and time again. But when you feel like you've earned your position there, you don't really have them same nerves because now you're kind of thinking, I'm not going back to where I've just been. Do you know what I mean? I've, I've worked to get this far. And, and it is good that we've all come through together because at one point, like I said, no one really cared about us. Me and Lyndon and Wozelf was fighting that time on, on, on BT. But me and Lyndon were signed to Frank for a fair few fights before he probably even knew our names. I could have walked past Frank and he would, I, I'd had probably like two fights on Frank Warren Bills and he probably could have walked past me and not knew who I was. You know what I mean? And that's just as real as it gets because someone that is, however, what, 68 years old or whatever he is and been through all these mega fights and however many world title fights and how many world champions he's had, he's not going to concern himself with every little flyweight on the books, is he? No, of course he's not. He probably didn't even know I signed for him for, until I started winning. I mean, my phone only started ringing for... TV fights after the after the Farag fight. Before that, it was my management team. When can you get him on? When can you get him on? If you're not getting him on, we'll get him on. Do you know what I mean? But I didn't I didn't care about that. I know a lot of fighters that have sort of blocked their career expecting too much too early. You know, before they've earned it. Yeah. They've expected the arenas, they've expected the TV shots, they've expected the title shot. So then when they're getting offered like a, a relatively hard fight, they're thinking, oh whoa, whoa, whoa I don't want to do that. And then as soon as you start having that mentality, promoters fuck you off. I mean, it's no secret. Look, look at, for example, me and Harvey Horn. We turn pro at a similar time. Look at the different trajectories of our career. So I'm, I'm easy to work with and he's impossible to work with. It's facts. Do you know what I mean? When it, If you're easy to work with, then the promoters are going to want to work with you. Just like Lyndon. Lyndon waited, waited, weren't moaning, weren't moaning, was fighting, 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 learning, learning, learning. The time he got his chance against Yard, who had been built the total opposite way, you know, the hype way. Because if Lyndon had all of his fights on BT, he boasts a very good knockout rule. He boasts a very good highlight rule and, and, and a lot of good wins, etc. Exactly. And would have had the profile that Yard had if they built him the same way, but they didn't. But who was better for that? Who was better? Do you know what I mean? Who now has the last laugh? You know what I mean? Who's in the best position now? Who's got a win over the other? Do you know what I mean? It's it's all about learning and too many people get too caught up in the, the hype train, wanting to fight people two weights below them, drawn up just so they knock them out. Do you know how many times I've heard in, in the conversations with my promoter or, or my management, 
fighters asking or fighters' teams asking for, oh, let's get someone that he'll look good against. In other words, let's get him someone that he's going to chin in, in a round or two just so it looks good on his record. I've never asked for that, ever, not once. I've always asked for the harder fight. So now, when I'm about to jump in with a world champion, I'm not there two weeks before scratching my head thinking, you know what? This is going to be really, really hard. It's like, no, I'm expecting it to be hard, but I'm not worried. I'm not scared about it. I'm excited for it. Do you know what I mean? Sonny, I'm go- I'd, lo- I'd love to chat to you all night, but you've got less than a minute and it's going to cut off on, on, on the Zoom. <laughs> Thanks very much, Sonny. Would you come on again in another couple of months? Because you've been an absolutely brilliant guest. Yeah, and hopefully I'll have the, the world title somewhere in shot. Definitely. Here, over my shoulder. John, I've got to get a quick thank you into you as well. It was a brilliant, brilliant podcast tonight, and um, our guest made it. So, uh, Sonny, we'll have you on in a couple of months of that world title belt over your shoulder, talking of defence. Thank you very much, boys, and thanks, everyone, oh, thank for watching or listening. Cheers, guys. For all boxing, info, news, and latest interviews, amateur and pro, across and off, click and subscribe. VIP Boxing Promotions. Also, Twitter, Instagram and Facebook.